I don't know about most of you guys, but I'm not a really big fan of getting letters, like handwritten letters. Like, I, I don't get the point of that. I know girls are really into handwritten letters, but if you want to get in contact with me, like send me a text message, like send me an email. It's so much quicker and such a better way to get in contact with me. And there's this one person in my life that still sends me letters all the time, and that is my great aunt. And she sends them to me like all the time. And uh, I don't know how old people have mastered this technique, but somehow they can put their scent onto letters. Like I literally can smell her on the letter. I'm not just talking like perfume. Like I can just smell the old coming off the letter. You know what I mean? Like how old people just have that smell about them that you can totally just pick up. Well, whenever my aunt sends me these letters, I always can just smell it. And it's such a scary smell. So I think that's part of the reason why I don't like letters that much. But tonight we're starting a new series called The Seven Letters. And we're going to look at two out of the seven letters that um, John wrote in Revelation. And these are some awesome, awesome letters. And what I want to do is just pick out two of them and apply them to us in the green room and see what God has to speak to us through these awesome, awesome letters. And sometimes the book of Revelation can be kind of a confusing book. It can be overwhelming. There's so much in it. There's so many different points of view. So many theologians are saying so many different things, and it can be overwhelming. And tonight, I I did a lot of studying for this series, and I'm really going to do my best to try and make this stuff sound simple, even though some of it's going to sound really weird at first. You're going to hear stuff about lampstands and all this other stuff. And I'm just going to try and make it really um, simple for you guys as best as I can. And uh, like I said, um, it kind of starts with this guy, John. Before we jump into it, we need to know a little bit of the history. Those of you guys that are big history fans, you're going to love this because I I find this really cool. So what's going on before this um, letters are written is this guy, John, he's an apostle. He walked with Jesus. He spent time with Jesus. And it's getting to the point right now where all the disciples are kind of spread out. And most of them actually by this point have been killed. John is really the only one left. And he's about 100 years old while he's writing this part of Revelation. And right before this happened, the people were really persecuting Christians at this time. And they tried to boil this guy, John, alive. I mean, literally, like in a hot pot, they tried to boil him alive. And that didn't kill him. And so they were like, we got to get rid of this guy somehow. And so they sent him to the island of Patmos. And this was like a really rugged terrain. It was like a really hard place to live. And so they kind of just exiled him to this place all by himself. And while he's there, actually on a Sunday, um, John was the leader of the, the church uh, for, for the most part. There was these seven churches, and John was like the head of them. And they were just in different places. He was like almost like a campus pastor. He would go and speak at different churches at the time, but they were all under one church. And John was kind of the head of it. And so while he's exiled at this place called Patmos, he's praying. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes to him while he's praying and reveals to him all these things and says, I want you to send this to the seven churches and make this Um, a reality for them because they need to hear this. It's so important that they get that. And I think it's going to be really important for us throughout these two messages, guys, that we really learn and hear what Jesus has to say in Revelation because I think it's really powerful. So will you guys just pray with me before we go any farther? Lord, I thank you for tonight, God, and I pray that you would speak through your word tonight, God. I pray that I would preach it well, Lord God, that you would put a lock on my lips, Jesus, that I would always only say what scripture is saying, Lord, We need you so much tonight, Jesus. Come and fill us, God. May may our lives never be the same because of your word, Lord. your name we pray, amen. So I think I've told a lot of you guys this before. Some of you might have heard this story. But when I was in fifth grade, we were presented with the decision on whether we wanted to play an instrument or be in chorus. And all the cool kids 
played in the band, and all the weird kids were in chorus. Now, if anyone's in chorus tonight, I'm not making fun of you. That's just how it was back in the day when I was there, right? And so I decided to take the trumpet. I don't know why. It's really not a fun instrument at all. I'm sorry if any of you play the trumpet. But I went to the first round of lessons, and that's the only thing I did. And I played hot cross buns like a champion. I mean, I was the best at hot cross buns. But unfortunately, I never went to a lesson after that. And so we used to have these big concerts, and the band would meet together, and we would play all the time. And I had no idea what I was doing. Literally, from fifth grade to 11th grade, I faked playing the trumpet in a room of like thousands of people. It'd be an audience, and my parents would bring me roses afterwards, and I felt so guilty inside. I mean, it was so bad. I was such a liar. And it would get to the point where I, I had to tell my friends, because every once in a while, the band teacher would call people out to do like solos. And so what I would do is like, hey, if she calls on me today, you need to play the piece, and I'm going to stand up and pretend to play it. So literally, I would just sit there and totally fake this, and I would get into it. I would milk it a little bit because I thought I was funny and tricking the teacher. So I'd be like all into it, like going nuts with my trumpet. And my friend was totally playing it for me the entire time. And I felt like such a liar after that. I mean, because there were like nights I would stay up because I was so scared that this teacher was going to catch me lying for all these years. I was like, somehow they're going to kick me out of school for this, for lying this bad. But I, yeah, I went to all these concerts and I pretended to play and I just felt like such a faker. And maybe some of you guys can relate to that tonight. Maybe you faked something in your life. Girls, maybe you faked to like a sport to impress a guy. And so you were talking to him one time and you're like, I love when they use the hockey puck to score the touchdown through the end zone. And the guy's looking at you all weird and because you were faking, you didn't know what you're doing. And so I'm sure we all know stuff like that, guys, where we have faked something. And Unfortunately, I, I think a lot of us can relate to this feeling tonight. At one point or another in our lives, we faked our faith. We kind of just went along with all the motions, right? And, and this is the way I like to explain it. I think a lot of us play church. We come here, the worship is awesome, we raise our hands, we throw some money in the offering, we volunteer at school or at our church to do something, and we kind of just go through the, the motions, but if we were honest tonight, and everyone that's kind of faking tonight or has faked in life, you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. You do all these good deeds, but there's no substance to it. There's nothing really real about your faith tonight. And I think that this is something that we all go through at some point in our life. It's just about the, motion, uh, the emotions of everything. It's about going through all the right things and doing the right deeds. And it just kind of seems like our faith is kind of dry tonight. We feel like there's nothing really real behind it, and we just need to go and do this checklist. And I'm sure those of you that feel that way, you don't have much joy tonight, and you're not sure if you should keep going through the motions, if it's even worth it. Should I keep coming back? Is, is this even real? And, and see, I think for most of us tonight, we do believe it's real. We know God is the Savior, but it's just kind of gotten dry. It's just kind of about doing the right things. And tonight, guys, we're going to look at a story at one of these letters. And these people, they were going through the exact same thing. We're not alone in this. And it's so important that we see that, guys. And there is just so much at stake tonight. Because I don't think any of you are happy at where you are at tonight if you are faking. I know at the times when I'm faking, I'm miserable inside. And you know, here I am, a youth pastor. And, and there are times, guys, when I just make it about the checklist, about doing all the right things I can. And I hate being a faker. 
I hate when people can look at my life. And then there were times in my life, especially when I was in high school, people would say, you're such a hypocrite. You say one thing and you do another. And you know part of the reason why they were able to say that is because I was just faking it. I just wanted to be a part of the worship team and play the music. I just was saying all the right things and I was just doing all the right things. But there wasn't really anything behind it. And I don't think any of you want to be fakers tonight. And that's why it's so important that we hear what Jesus has to say to this church, which was faking it. And uh, we're going to start right in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. This is what it says. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write this. These are the, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Okay, so here we go. We got some really confusing language right off the bat here. All right, so the first thing, this person they're saying is holding the seven stars. This is pretty simple stuff. We're not gonna overcomplicate this tonight. The person holding the seven stars is Jesus. He, he's over it. He's the one that's holding it. And the seven lampstands are um, the seven churches that are going to be written to throughout the, these seven letters. And the first one is this church, Ephesus. And this was kind of the center of all the churches. I mean, this was like the main campus that, that Paul, I mean, that John would spend most of his time at teaching and preaching. And this, this was an interesting place. It was huge, guys. It was like the epicenter of Christianity. But at the same time, there were tons of other gods in the mix here. And there was so much going on in this city. And we're going to see that a little bit as we keep walking through these verses. Verse two, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them false. And so Jesus starts off and saying, hey, guys, you are really good. You've got all these deeds down. You're doing a great job. You're hitting all of the checklists. Now, this time, you know, whenever there's a big movement of God, whenever God comes and sweeps through a city and, and does something really big, always right behind it are people that are trying to get gain off this. And so there were literally people going around in these cities pretending to be apostles for no other reason but just to harm other people in that city, just to cause some mischief, mischief and to hurt some people. And so Jesus is saying, I'm so glad that you're looking at these people and you're seeing that they are false and that these aren't true teachers. And then there were other people who were coming in for selfish gain to see what they can make off this so that they could see if they could make some money off this Jesus movement that was going around. And guys, this is such an important part because this is still something that happens today. There are tons of people that are going around pretending to be followers of Jesus. And some of them are just doing it just to hurt you guys. They just want to mess up your life. They just want to harm you in any way that they can, just for the heck of it, just for the fun of it. And then there are other people who are trying to do it to gain something from you, to gain your trust, maybe to win you over in some ways. And, and then they're going to like just let a trap go on you and really harm you guys. And, and then there's other people who just don't really know what they're saying and they're just gonna try and teach things because that, they think that's right. And it's so important that you guys know the Bible for what it really is because there are a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing that wanna hurt you guys. And so Jesus says, hey guys, you are doing a great job at that. I'm so glad that you're looking through these teachers. And he says, you know, your deeds are good. And so if I can translate this into common day, if, if, if what it was, would be for us today, it would say, hey, Green Room, Living Word Church, your worship team, it's, it's, it's great. It's really on par. I love what you're doing for the homeless. 
It's great. I love how you're looking at false teachers. These are all really good deeds that you guys are accomplishing today. And everything that you're checking off the list is really good. And so let's go to the next verse because that's exactly what Jesus is saying. And so this is what it says in verse three. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. So guys, like I was saying, Ephesus was a really hard place to live. While this was probably one of the biggest churches, it was also one of the most corrupt cities. Prostitution was rampant in Ephesus. Literally, there were just these huge temples and synagogues where people would go and and they could just buy prostitutes. It was so corrupt. And there were tons of other gods in this city. The, The biggest one was the goddess Diana, who they used to worship all the time. And they were really hostile about this. If you didn't worship the goddess Diana, then they were probably going to persecute you really hard. And that's why Jesus is saying, thank you so much for not giving into this. I've seen how you're persevering. I'm seeing all the hardships that you have to put up with, all the temptations that you guys face daily. I'm so proud of you for standing strong against these things, guys. And you know what? As I'm reading this, it really reminds me of modern day Christianity, living on Long Island trying to be a Christian. You guys that are in public school, I'm sure you guys face this all the time. There's tons of persecution for your faith and what you believe. And if you make a stand, I'm sure people make fun of you. Same thing here, guys. Same exact thing that they were going through. There's tons of temptations for us here in modern day. Guys, honestly, I think they might have had it even a little bit harder. Some of the things that they had to stand up to and deal with. And you guys are faced with these decisions all the time. And Jesus is saying, I'm so glad that you are persevering through these things, guys. And, you know, we're going to come back to this verse in just a little bit, because I think that this has a little bit to do with everything that's been going on so far. But let's just go to this next verse now. Verse four, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Consider how far you have fallen. And, and so this, so far Jesus starts them off with all these good things, all the deeds that they've done. And he says, all right, here's the problem, guys. Come in close. Here's where you've been messing this up. Is that you don't really love too much in all of this. That you've forgotten to love me deeply. You've forgotten to love people throughout all of this. And that is a huge problem. And guys, I think that is the same reason why we fake it sometimes. It's because we have forgotten our first love. We forgot what it's really like to love Jesus and to love people. And when that dries up in our life, we always begin to fake it. Because if we aren't loving God and if we aren't loving people, then we're faking it. The apostle Paul said that if we have not love, then we're empty. We're we're like a symbol that's just making noise. It's empty. It's nothing, guys. Guys, this is always the reason why we fake. We can always trace it back to this point. And then Jesus is going, remember what it was like Remember how far you've fallen, how in love we were? Do you guys remember when you first fell in love with Jesus? Do you remember how special that was? I I mean, for me, I I, I can remember it and just how passionate I was at those times. Nothing can compare to that. I, I remember just being this little seventh grader 
and I would listen to my worship um, CDs on my little discman every day on my way to school, and I would pray so hard. And I, I just remember just being so deeply in love with Jesus. And then every time I feel myself faking it, I have to remember again why I first fell in love with him how empty my life was at that time and what he did for me, how he rescued me and all he's done for me. See guys, I think the hard times, like he said in verse before, all the things that these people in Ephesus had to deal with, I think it got to them a little bit. I think it gets to you and I a little bit too. I think the hard times, all the things that we have to overcome, everything that we have to persevere through, it gets to us and it can kind of dry us up a little bit in our relationship with God. But I think God would say to you guys tonight, for anyone that's faking it, remember your first love. Remember how in love we were. Remember that passion and what it was like. Let's go to this next verse. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. What Jesus is saying here, hey, you need to turn from this. I'm, I'm really glad you're getting all the deeds done, but it's empty. It, it's just kind of like faking it to me right now. You need to repent from this. And when he says, I'm gonna remove your lampstand, what he says is, I'm gonna remove this church from you guys. If you continue to go without love, without love is so important. And this also brings up a really important point, guys, how important repentance is repentance is. You know, so there's so many people that will tell you guys that when you sin or when you do something wrong, that you don't need to repent, that it's not something that you need to do. Because Jesus says, when we have a sin in our lives, then we need to repent. Now, it's all covered on his cross. Every sin was nailed with him, with him that day on the cross, but we still need to repent. Let's go to verse six. But you, uh, but you, have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And so, He's saying here, look, you guys got the head knowledge down great. You got it. You know all the answers. Your theology is really set, and I love the way that you think. But it's got to be about the heart, too. And somewhere along the way, you've lost the heart. I think a lot of us know exactly what that's like to lose the heart. And see, here's what I think is so true, guys. The people that know the most about Jesus know him the littlest sometimes, or the least. And I think sometimes we can get all our ideas about Jesus right. We can get all of our theology and all our Bible verses down and all our, our ideas set about him. And then we forget to seek him like it's a relationship. We got all our checklists, checklists. we got all our deeds set, but we forget that it's all about a relationship. Some of you guys know so much, but have you been having that relationship with Jesus? See, I, I think that's, what these people lost. Because when you are in a constant relationship with Jesus, the, the love is always there. It's, it's always flowing and it, it's deep and it's passionate. And the times when we check out from that, when we decide that I'm not gonna let this relationship go farther, maybe because of a hard time, maybe because of just something that's going on in our lives, we're just too busy, we forget to keep that relationship. And when that relationship isn't in place, we begin to fake. And so let's just go to verse seven. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who is victorious. I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. And he's just saying, listen, listen, it's so important that you get this. If you have ears to hear, soak this in, because this is going to be life to you. 
If you will get this down and deep, it will change you and make you a different person. So if you have ears to hear, then let it in. And so guys, there's some couple of things that go in with this. There's other things that lead to faking it, but it's always, you can always trace it back to one problem. And it's when you aren't in that deep relationship with Jesus, sin always finds a way to creep in your life. And when that relationship isn't there, it will separate you farther and farther away from Jesus. When you are constantly committing the sin, and it just feels like it's so hard to get back to him. See, guys, I, I think that this is, this is a good analogy to sum this up. Um, I, I think most of you guys probably have iPhones in the room, and th- there's always the same way to fix an iPhone problem. Someone comes to me and they say, hey, I don't know what's going on with this. Can you fix this? It's always the same thing. It's if you will just, 99.9% of the times, if you will just manually reboot the iPhone, it will fix itself almost always. And you know what, guys? When it comes to our Christianity and our walk, when we're faking it or something's going on in our life, it's always the same thing. I can always point it back to something in someone's life. Somewhere along the way, they stopped opening their Bible. Somewhere along the way, they stopped praying. The simplest thing. Maybe they got too busy. Maybe the deeds they were doing for the church got in the way of them spending time with the person that matters more than doing the deeds. Whatever it is for you tonight, whatever is going on in your life, if you can, I almost can guarantee that you can trace it back to the fact that you just haven't been spending time with Jesus. Such a simple answer, but it always leads to um, breakthrough and healing into whatever's going on in your life, whatever's wrong with your relationship with Jesus. If you would just be willing to do that, that is almost always the answer, guys. And it's so important that you see that. And so I I think another point to draw out of this is who you are outside of church is far more important than who you are inside. So you could raise your hands, you can give, you could do all these great things, volunteer, but if you're someone totally different outside, it's empty. You're just faking it. And so some of you guys need to know that tonight. You can do all the right things in this building, but if you aren't spending that time with Jesus outside, then you're not really living it. and You're not really walking the walk that he wants you to walk in. And it's the same as any relationship. Guys, if, if, I, if I didn't spend time with my wife our, our, our marriage would, would fall apart. There's no doubt about it. If I wasn't constantly talking to her and doing things that we enjoy together, our marriage would fall apart. How do you expect your relationship with Jesus to thrive if you aren't constantly spending time with him? If you aren't in his word, if you aren't reading and really getting close to him, it's just like any other relationship in your life. And so those of you guys that have been feeling dry, those of you guys that you're not really sure, I'm pretty sure I gave you the answer tonight on what you need to change. And it's just so important that you actually do it. See, here's what I do all the time, is I hear a great message all the time, and, and I say, all right, that is absolutely the answer to my problem. And then I go home, and I don't do anything about it. I say, all right, if I just open my Bible this weekend, if I just pray, then I know things will be different. I know things will change, and I get so excited about it when I'm in church. But when I leave and go outside of church, life hits me again. The hardships, the busyness, everything that's going on comes at me again. Guys, it's so important that you set a plan. If that's you tonight, you need to really figure out what you need to do to get real about this tonight. Because there is nothing more important in your life than having real joy from Jesus and really getting close to him and spending this time with him 
in your life. And so here's what I really want you guys to get and understand tonight. Never forget your first love. Never forget how important it is to spend that time with Jesus, to be in that relationship with him. Those of you guys are faking, that are faking it, you need to talk to someone. Get real. Stop just going through the motions. Get real in your relationship with God and really start to love him. And I guarantee you this, that if you do this, you will be the happiest that you've ever been. You will be a different person. Watch the depression that's been hurting you fall away. Watch the different issues that you've been going through in your life start to wash away if you will just do these things, guys. And so take seriously the words of Jesus. Never forget your first love. Never forget that love needs to be at the heart of everything because if it's not, we're just faking it. And I don't think any of you guys want to be fakers. And I know that a lot of you guys love Jesus and this is it, the key for it. It's not fake. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for everyone in this room, Lord. And I, I just pray, God, that you would really just help us to do this, God. That we wouldn't just go through the motions anymore, God. That we wouldn't make it about doing all the good deeds, God. That we wouldn't be like this church in Ephesus, God. That we would learn from what they were doing wrong, God. And I, I really pray, Jesus, that you would give us the strength, God, to really change our lives tonight, God. Not to just hear this, God but to really implement it in our lives. God, I pray that we would really just get serious about opening your word, God. I pray that we would get serious about spending time in prayer, God. We need you for these things tonight, God. Sometimes they can be so hard for us just to do, God. And, and we just need you so much tonight, God, to do these things. And I, I just pray for anyone that's going through anything different tonight, Lord God, and they just feel all alone. They feel lost, God. I, I pray, God, like I was talking about before, what it was like when I was first in love with you, God. I pray that they would begin to experience that in their life, God. If they want to start a relationship with you, God, if they, they want to fall more in love with you tonight, God, I pray that you would do that for them in their life. And so we love you, God, and we never want to take our eyes off this. We want to love you with everything we have, Jesus. We want to be a church that puts love before all things, love for you and love for others, God. And so I pray we would take our relationships with you very seriously, God, that we wouldn't make it about the deeds or anything else. And so we just love you so much, Jesus. In your name we pray.